Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati. Brought to you by lisatarmati.com. Hey everyone, Lisa Tamati here. Welcome back to Pushing the Limits this week. Before we get over to our wonderful guest and our cool show, the interview, um, just a reminder, we have our Boost Camp webinar series coming up. Now, this is starting on the 1st of September 2021. So if you're listening to this later, we will be holding this regularly. So check it out. Um, this is all about upgrading your life, boosting your life. It's all about improving your performance, your health, your well-being, teaching you about health fundamentals, how your biology works. It's about resilience. It's about mindset. It's about longevity and anti-aging strategies, a whole lot of stuff that you're going to get a huge benefit out of, and it will be a great little community as well. This is a live series. We're doing it once a week. It will be a 90-minute session. So if you can spare some time to come and hang out with Neil and myself, I'd really enjoy that and you'll get a heck of a lot out of it. The amount of information we'll be able to give you in this series and help create some change in your life to boost your life. So come and check that out. Go over to peakwellness.co.nz forward slash boost camp. That's peak wellness, P-E-A-K, wellness.co.nz forward slash boost camp with an S boost camp um, and just on that note if you're into longevity and anti-aging make sure you check out nmnbio.nz it's my company that I've joined forces with uh, molecular biologist Dr. Alina Seranova uh, check out the podcast episodes with her this is all around nicotinamide mononucleotide and what it can do to help you upregulate your sirtuin genes your longevity genes help with autophagy upregulate metabolic pathways and a whole lot more check out all the science over on the website at nmnbio.nz. Now, today's guest is Nia Ial. Nia is an incredible uh, person who's sold two big tech companies uh, in the last 20 years and helped with many, many other big players in the world. He is in, at the intersection of psychology, technology, and business. So he's a behavioral design specialist. You might think, what the hell is that? Someone who knows why and how we tick and how to create good habits and how to understand uh, behavioral economics and, and some neuroscience in there as well. Um, he's worked in the video gaming and advertising industries uh, and also uh, helped with some of the big platforms that we interact with. He helps companies create behaviours that benefit their users while educating people on how to build healthful habits in their own lives. He's an active investor um, and he puts his money where his mouth is by, by backing habit-forming products. So he's been involved with things like Eventbrite and Kahoot and Anchor FM and Marco Polo and Bite Foods, just to name a few, and a whole lot of others as well. He's a uh, graduate. He has a, a, an MBA from the Stanford Graduate School of Business, and he has also been a lecturer at Stanford um, and he's also written two books. One is called Hooked, and the other is... Um, 
it's all around how to build habit-forming products. Um, and his second book is called Indistractable, uh, something I think we all need in this day and age is to learn how to become indistractable because there's so many cool things out there that can take our attention away from the things that we are actually working on. And he teaches in this session a little bit about the, how to become indistract, indistractable. It's a really hard word to say. And how to keep people hooked in your business if you're growing as an entrepreneur and building positive habits among your community. So I hope you enjoy this session with Nia Ial. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Pushing the Limits. Super excited to have you with me again today. I have uncovered another superstar for you guys. I think you're going to be absolutely fascinated by this gentleman and the work that he's done and the information that he's going to share with us today. So welcome to the show, Nia. You are over in Singapore. That's right. Great to be with you, Lisa. Oh, thanks for, for coming on. Um, now, Nia, I want to dive into your background because when I read all about you and what you've done, I was like, wow, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Um, can you give the listeners a bit of background who don't know you, um, what you, where you came from and, and how you got into the, the, the stuff that you're doing now? Sure thing. So I'm what you call a behavioral designer. So I help companies build the kind of products and services that build healthy habits in people's lives. So uh, I taught for many years at the Stanford Graduate School of Business and later at the Hasselblad Institute of Design in Stanford, where I taught courses on how to use the psychology of what we call behavioral design to build good habits in people's lives. So for example, getting people to uh, make a habit out of exercise uh, with a fitness app like FitBod or helping uh, kids stay engaged in the classroom with an app like Kahoot. Uh, we can use the same psychology behind what makes Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp and Slack so sticky to help people form good habits in their lives. So that was the subject of my first book called mm -hmm. Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products. And my second book, more recently, about two years ago, I released a book called Indistractable, where if Hooked is about how to build good habits, Indistractable is about how to break those bad habits that so oftentimes can lead us off track. So I wanted to take a deeper dive into the psychology of why do we do things against our better interests? Why do we get distracted? I think that becoming indistractable is truly the skill of the century, because what we find is that people generally know what to do. They just don't do it, <laughs> right? We all basically <laughs> We know how to get in shape. We know how to have better relationships. We know how to be better at our job. We know how to save money. We just keep getting in our own way. Yep. And so I really wanted to get into this deeper psychology of, of why is that, which is the, the subject of my second book, Indescribable. Wow. Well, let's start with the second book because I think, you know, that sure. is a fascinating because as, as, as someone who's coaches, you know, coaches a lot of athletes and uh, works in, in, in the company, and I'm definitely keen on understanding all the hooked stuff because that's definitely uh, fascinating as well. But let's start with the, the, the Indestructible. We're like, we live in a society where we are constantly bombarded and it's going to get worse as virtual reality and augmented reality and things like come online and make everything even more addictive. Um, apparently, our, our attention spans are down to seven seconds or something ridiculous when we're scrolling around on social media networks. How do we fight against this? Um, I, I myself know from my own behavior that I have shiny object syndrome. And from a, a business perspective, I'm very easily distracted or even taken off on some cool new technology or some cool new thing um, that my, my business partner is constantly trying to bring me back on track. <laughs> so how do we do that? How do we stop, you know, going on to social media and just ending up in some down some rabbit hole that we never yeah. want to? 
<clears throat> yeah, so the best place to start is to understand what this word even means, distraction. It's so important to, to start with our definitions. Yeah. So the best way to understand if you really know what the term means is to ask yourself, do you know what is the opposite of that term? What's the antonym? So if you ask most people what's the opposite of distraction, they'll tell you it's focus, right? I don't want to be distracted. I want to be focused. But that's not exactly right. <laughs> that the opposite of distraction is not focus. If you look at the origin of the word, the opposite of distraction is traction. Oh, you'll notice that both traction and distraction end in the same six letters, A-C-T-I-O-N, that yeah. spells action, reminding us that distraction is not something that happens to us, but rather it is an action we take. Right. So both traction and distraction come from the same Latin root, trahare, which means to pull. Mm. So traction, by definition, is any action that pulls you towards what you said you were going to do, things that you do with intent, things that move you closer to your values and help you become the kind of person you want to become. Those are acts of traction. The opposite of traction is distraction. Distraction is any action that pulls you further away from your goals, further away from your intent, further away from living out your values and being the kind of person you want to become. So this is not just semantics. This is really important right. because I would argue any action can be traction or distraction based on one word. And that one word is forethought. Okay. Mm. Forethought. Let me give you an example. So I want to show you how any action can be a distraction. So my, one of my biggest distractions that I didn't even realize was distracting me was that every morning I would get to work and I would sit down at my desk and I'd say, okay, I've got that big thing to do on my to-do list, that thing that I've been procrastinating on. Today is the day. I'm not going to delay. I have to do that thing that I've been putting off. I'm going to do it right now. Nothing's going to get in my way. No distraction. Right now, I'm going to get started. But first, let me check some email. Right? <laughs> Sounds like me. Let me just, let me just <laughs> no, scroll that Slack channel. Let, let me just do a couple of those things on my to-do list that are kind of easier to do just to get started, right? Just to get, you know, the, get rolling. the ball rolling here because that's not that's not distraction. That's a work-related task. I, I got to do email at some point today, right? I'm, I'm, I'm still being productive. And what I didn't realize is that that is the most dangerous form of distraction. We talk about wow. social media and video games and television being the source of distraction. Uh-uh. If you look at the percentage of time that people waste doing things that is that are not what they intended to do. Wow. Overwhelmingly, it is the things that they think are productive, but really aren't. Oh, right? go Checking email go a million times a day. Exactly. It's these <laughs> things that trick us into prioritizing the urgent work and the easy work yes. at the expense of the hard and important work that we have to do to move our lives and careers forward. So just because something is a work-related task, doesn't mean it's not a distraction. Oh, wow. In fact, that's the most dangerous form of distraction. So that's point number one. Anything can become a distraction if it's not what you plan to do. And conversely, anything can be traction. So I am not one of these chicken little tech critics that says, oh, social media, Facebook, Instagram. Oh, they're melting your brain. They're addicting you. <laughs> Rubbish. It is not true. It is not scientific. We need to stop using this disempowering language that, in fact, I think my conspiracy theory is that the, these companies want you to believe you're addicted. They uh -huh. want you to believe there's nothing you can do about it because you know what people do? It's called learned helplessness. Yes. When people think they're addicted. Guess what they do? nothing. Yep. They stop trying. What I want to do is to empower people to say, look, you want to play video games? You want to go on social media? You want to use YouTube? Awesome. There's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. As long as you use it on your schedule and according to your values, not the tech companies. 
So wow. there's nothing wrong with the tech. The tech is wonderful. I mean, look, you're in New Zealand. I'm in Singapore. Sick. People are listening all over the world with this amazing technology. We are so blessed. What are we complaining about? Ooh, it's distracting me. I can't concentrate. My phone is so great. I want to use it all the time. Shut up. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with this stuff. As long as we use it with intent, we are much more powerful than the tech companies are. So I want to liberate people from this mind prison that we put ourselves in thinking that we're powerless. We are not powerless. There's so much more we can do. And, and this is coming from a behavioral designer who knows how yeah. to. For the I wrote the book. You, you wrote how <laughs> I to know how these hooked. companies get you hooked. I yeah. literally wrote the book you, on how they do it. And yeah. I'll tell you, their techniques are good. They're good. They're not that good, right? This is not mind control. This is not high. You're not on your cocaine brain. and you're stuck. Exactly. We're not <laughs> injecting Instagram. We're not snorting Snapchat. We're not freebasing Facebook. Give me a break here. That's, that's ridiculous. Unless, unless we believe we are powerless. That's when we become powerless. I mean, I, I mean, I just, and, and, and I've been guilty of propagating that because you do hear how, how addictive it is and you do notice in your own behavior that you're, um, shall we say, uh, not always doing what you set out to do. And so you're giving us the tools and the power back and saying, here is how you keep a control on things. Because, you know, we are at the mercy sometimes of our own neurotransmitters, you know, um, and I'm, I'm a, as a, as a athlete and as a coach, I'm like, you know, uh, motivation follows action and not the other way around. Okay. So if you don't feel like going for a run today, for an example of my life, which, you know, happens quite often, I don't feel like it. I yeah. just take some little step of action and I create motivation from that little step. And invariably I end up doing my training. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you bring up a that? really good point. I just want to, sorry to interrupt you, but there's a, no. a critical word you said that I think we, we should dive deeper into, which is this, the, the word you said was feeling, right? When you think about why don't we accomplish our goals? Okay. What's the number one reason people don't accomplish their goals? The number one reason people don't accomplish their goals in any aspect of life, whether it's relationship goals with, you know, forming a, a type on with your, your spouse or your children, whether it's your career goals, whether it's your physical fitness goals, the number one reason people don't accomplish their goals, common sense, they quit. We yeah. stop. Yeah. Well, what's the number one reason we quit? Why don't we do what we say we're going to do? Because we don't feel like it. Yes, and we never feel right. We like say it, it all the time. We don't. We don't actually pause to think about what does that mean exactly. So this is a really great point to talk about the two other parts of my indistractable framework. So now you can kind of visualize. Think of an arrow to the right, which represents traction. Think about an arrow to the left, which represents distraction. Now I want you to think about two arrows bisecting, pointing to the center of that number line that you just created uh, vertically from the top and bottom. Those represent external triggers and internal triggers, mm -hmm. external triggers. These are all the pings, the dings, the rings, anything in our outside environment that can lead us towards distraction. Now, that's what we tend to blame. Okay. We tend to blame, oh, I was concentrating, but then my phone rang or I got some notification or my boss interrupted me. We think about things on the, in our outside environment leading to distraction, but studies find that is only 10% of the time that you get distracted. Mm. Are you distracted because of an external trigger? 10%. So it's mm. part of the problem, but it's clearly not the, the, the real source. The real source is that 90% of the time that we get distracted, 90% of the time, it's not because of an external trigger because of what we call an internal trigger. What is an internal trigger? An internal trigger is an uncomfortable emotional state that we seek to escape. Uh -huh. Boredom, <clears throat> loneliness, fatigue, stress, anxiety, uncertainty. 
Anytime we feel these uncomfortable emotions, we look to escape them oftentimes with distraction. So if we don't understand this cardinal rule that time management requires pain management, let me say it again, time management requires pain management, that all of our distraction, our procrastination, anytime we don't do what we say we're going to do, it is because we have not learned how to deal with that discomfort in a healthy way that drives us towards traction and we try and escape it with distraction. So whether it's too much booze, too much food, too much news, too much football, too much Facebook, it doesn't matter. We will always find distraction somewhere unless we know how to cope with discomfort in a healthy manner. So that's the first step to becoming indistractable is mastering those internal triggers or they will master you. Wow, that is just mind-blowing there. I'm just like, whoa, this is just cool <laughs> shit. This is really cool shit. Um, do you know the work of Stephen Kotler? Um, he's at the um, the Flow Collective, or straight, uh, yeah, the Flow Collective is, is the name of his company, and he's an expert and author around flow and how what he studied for the last thirty years. You, you'd love him. Um, the 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 dynamics of flow. What what is it that makes somebody uh, an elite athlete that can do triple spins on a skateboard or a, you know, elite uh, performer in some sort of way, what is it that they all have in common? And it's it's the releasing of these neurotransmitters in our brain, basically, to get us into this flow state. So, uh, for example, if I sit here and I'm busy doing my really stressful work and, and, then I, and then I go over to my artwork, which sits next to me here and I'm doing some art, I'm not going to be creative if I'm trying to force it and I've just come from a very, I need to go out into nature and, Mm. you know, stare at the horizon for a little bit, have some time and fresh air in nature. That's, this is my, you know, my practice, if you like, then I can come back and I may be able to tap into creativity because I'm starting to control my neurotransmitters and what's being emitted. Is that what you're talking about? Is that what, you know, like how do we manage this cocktail of chemicals that we've got going on in our brains or lack of? Is that what you're alluding to? Not not really. I'm not a big fan of tossing around neurotransmitters. You know, there's a, there's a stupid joke in the neuroscience community. It's not very funny, but I'll tell it anyway, which is what is the role of dopamine in the brain? The role of dopamine in the brain is to confuse neuroscientists (laughs) That, 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 you know, people toss around these neurotransmitters, dopamine, serotonin, you know, all these, these neurotransmitters. And I think for the most part, um, they're full of shit. <laughs> really? Because, wow. Yes. It's a big goal. Because it's a it's a self-limiting belief when you say, oh, I'm unable to because I don't have enough of this neurotransmitter. Or you see, I'm doing this because of the neurotransmitter. This this is a very old uh belief going back thousands of thousands of years, going back to the idea of spirits con- controlling us in some way. And so the modern equivalent, the secular experience of angels and spirits and ghosts is now neurotransmitters. And it's a very dangerous belief because what we find is that when we have a certain model of how we should behave, that something is controlling us, we tend to conform to those beliefs and we make it the case. We make it true. So when people say hocus pocus, like um, I have a a short attention span, Uh, I have, uh, you know, I have, uh, I have an addictive personality. I'm a morning person. I'm a Sagittarius. Wait, 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 Hold, hold on, hold on. Turns out, you know, these differences, there, there could be differences for sure. We know that there are, you know, at least the, the, the only really validated personality tests are these big five personality traits. 
But the differences between folks when it comes to the level of performance is, is quite minor, right? That we, we tend to think of effect and effect, but we don't consider effect size. Something can have an effect on your performance, but we don't, you have to consider also the effect size, right? So before you go say, oh, I have an addictive personality, I have a short attention span, I'm a this, I'm a that. First, do the things I tell you to do, right? Like before you say, oh, there's some limiting thing here that's keeping me from accomplishing what I want to accomplish. And I hear this, by the way, for years now. Oh, you don't understand. My situation is special. I'm different. I need this. I need that. My brain is wired this way. Or eh. First, do what I say to do, okay? That's going to get you 99% of the way there. Now, the small minor differences of, oh, I like to do this a little bit differently. Okay, that's on the margins. But by and large, what I did over the past five years was to delve into the psychology research around what really works, what helps people stay uh, uh, true to their goals, what helps them do what they say they're going to do. And these four tried and true strategies work for the vast majority of people uh, if they actually do them before they start looking for excuses. I'll I'll give you one very good uh, example. So a few years ago, there was this idea in the psychology community that we called ego depletion. Ego depletion is this idea that you run out of willpower. And many, many people still believe this, that willpower is a depletable resource. And there was a researcher who actually uh, did this, th- these studies and found, lo and behold, that people run out of willpower just like they would run out of gas in a gas tank or battery mm. charge on your phone. They run out of willpower. Yep. And so people started using this, many of us still do, saying, you know, you come home from a hard day of work and you say, ah, oh, I feel spent quote unquote, right? I have no more willpower left. What a hard day. Give me that pint of ice cream. I'm going to sit on the couch and watch Netflix, right? And uh, what we do in the social sciences, when a study sounds too good to be true, we replicate the study, right? We do it yep. again. Yeah. And what studies found, macro studies, so studies of studies found that this idea of ego depletion is just not true. Mm-hmm. It does not exist. There is no such thing as running out of willpower, like someone would run out of gas in a gas tank, except, except in one group of people. That Carol Dweck, a wonderful researcher at Stanford, a wonderful book you probably read, Mindset, that she wrote, she found that in fact, one group of people really did experience ego depletion. They really did run out of willpower like someone would run out of charge on their phone. And those people, and only those people, what made them unique? It was only the people who believed that willpower was a limited resource. Those are the only people that exhibited Ego depletion. That and really so again, willpower. Yeah. So again and again, you're bringing up the themes of not using things as excuses, and you're not helpless against the the the, the stuff that's in there, and that's what's. But do you feel? Do you, do you also believe that that um, uh, you know dopamine? We'll take dopamine because we're talking about it. Does not have an effect on the way you act. I mean, I study genetics, so. Uh, I know, I know there's differences in, in, in you know, of course, in definitely, definitely has an effect. The way they, they're motivated or the, the way they act and so on. Yeah, for sure. It has an effect. Absolutely. I mean, we, we know that when, uh, you know, Parkinson's patients are on uh, d- uh, dopamine therapy, yeah. they are more likely to have addictive uh, behaviors and yeah. some things you have to be careful. But this is typically cases of extremes, right? Yep. Really, you know, exogenous gotcha. factors, like, you know, yep. you know, really extremes for the average person. 
it's irrelevant, right? It's it's really so you go, you're talking like, about it, it can have going, an effect, yeah. but effect size is what matters. To what impact? It can be a drop in the ocean. Is a drop in the ocean adding water to the ocean? Yes, but it's imperceptible. Right. So you you're talking about let's go for the low hanging fruit stuff. Exactly. Let's not worry about the stuff that's on the edges of yes, there will be people who are outliers on this. Let's look at you what it. can it, what can help the most of us control our our lives better so that we can reach our goals. So what right. are the big <laughs> so what are yeah. the big things we can do? I mean, I, I think in your industry, you, you see it a ton when it comes to athlete, af, uh, you know, athletes and, and trying to prove, you know, I, when I go to the gym, I always see these, these guys standing in the corner comparing notes on the best kind of protein, right? <laughs> what kind of creatine yeah. should we take? What kind yeah. of, pro, you know, are you using this? Or are you using that? At the end of the day, you, you got to do the workout, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. going to make the biggest impact. It's not what kind of protein you're taking, right? Is it whey protein, egg protein? Come on, do the workout. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to make the biggest difference. So, okay, oh, yeah. what do we have to do here? So now we have this model in our heads, traction, distraction, internal, external, right? Now we know the, the four big parts of the indistractable model. So now we work our way around these four steps, like the, the points on a compass. The first step is to master the internal triggers. You have got to have tools in your toolkit, arrows in your quiver, if you will, so that you know what you will do when you feel discomfort. When you, and, and I'm sure you know this, right? Yeah. As an ultra endurance athlete, you have to have a plan in place to know what you will do when you experience the discomfort that is screaming at you oh, yeah. to do something else. How important is that, right? Huge. You Huge. don't do right. endurance full stop if you can't overcome those. <laughs> you exactly. don't get exactly. And so this is where visualization comes comes into practice. Many people visualize incorrectly. Uh, many people think that oh, I'm going to make a vision board. I'm going to make a dream, and then the, you know they're, 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 the universe will bring it to me. Don't do that. That's a big mistake. We actually know studies have found that when we envision the outcomes, it makes us less likely to go and do those things because we actually do feel good from the visioning exercise. You think we've done oh, it. Exactly. Yeah. It makes us feel like we've done it. So when we think, oh, you know, uh, I, I really want to write that book or I, I really want financial independence or I really want that beach body and thinking about it, envisioning it actually makes us less likely to act rather than the right kind of visioning is to envision what you will do when you are tempted to go off track. So let's say you're trying to lose weight. Don't envision how great you're going to look on the beach with your shirt off. In, in, in instead, what I want you to do is to envision what will you do when you're offered that piece of chocolate cake on your diet? That's what I, that's the right way to vision something is to practice what you will do when you are tempted yeah, by yeah. something that will lead you off track. Totally agree. So yeah. There are many, many, many techniques, you know, there's that I, I, I cite from acceptance and commitment therapy. You know, my book is full of 30 pages of peer reviewed studies. I don't like these books where people just make up stuff. I, I, I actually comb the psychology literature for five yeah. years <laughs> to show, okay, here's what the studies find is effective. So there's many different techniques. So that's step number one, master the internal triggers, have a plan in place to know what you will do when you experience the discomfort that makes you want to not do the thing you said you were going to do. That's step number one. Step number two is make time for traction. Make time for traction. Again, traction are these actions that we take that move us closer to what we said we were going to do. Yeah. So one of the big mistakes that people make is that they do not plan their time. Big, big mistake. If you look at people's calendars, the vast majority of people have nothing planned. 
maybe they have a to-do list and to-do lists, it turns out, are one of the worst things that you can do for your personal productivity, that running your life on a to-do list rather than a schedule is very counterproductive, it turns out. This is another thing that I, that I learned that I was shocked to find, that it's actively harmful to run your life on a to-do list. Oh, rather God, I'm buggish. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do this too. I was, I was a to-do list devotee for years and years. We can talk about why to-do lists are, are so counterproductive. Rather than, you know, here's the rule. Here's what I want you to remember. You can't call something a distraction unless you know what it distracted you from. You can't call something a distraction unless you know what it distracted you from. So we can't say, oh, I got distracted because of Twitter. I got distracted because of this or that or the other, unless we know what we plan to do with that time. Because if you don't plan what you're going to do with your time, you can't call something a distraction. Everything's a distraction unless you know what you want to do in advance. So that's about making time for traction. There's lots of different techniques we can talk about there. The third step is to hack back the external triggers. The external triggers, you know, again, are these pings, dings, and rings in our outside environment Mm. that can lead us towards distractions. This is where we go systematically through email, news feeds, kids, right? How how distracting can kids be in our environment if we're trying to get work done, if we're working (laughs) from home, can be very, very distracting. Our colleagues, all of these things can lead us towards distraction. So we can hack back all those external triggers. And then finally, the fourth step is to prevent distraction with pacts. A pact is a pre-commitment. It's a promise we make in advance that we use as a firewall, as a last line of defense against distraction. So it's really about using these four techniques Mm. in concert. There's no one magic bullet. But Mm -hmm. when we do one thing from each of these four steps, this is how we become indistractable. Holy shit, that's amazing. <laughs> really, really powerful stuff. Just interrupting the program briefly to let you know that we have a new patron program for the podcast. Now, if you enjoy pushing the limits, if you get great value out of it, we would love you to come and join our patron membership program. We've been doing this now for five and a half years and we need your help to keep it on air. It's been a public service free for everybody and we want to keep it that way. But to do that, we need like-minded souls who are on this mission with us to help us out so if you're interested in becoming a patron for pushing the limits podcast then check out everything on patron.lisatamati.com that's p-a-t-r-o-n dot lisatamati.com we have two patron levels to choose from you can do it for as little as seven dollars a month new zealand or fifteen dollars a month if you really want to support us so we we are grateful if you do there are so many membership benefits you're going to get if you join us everything from workbooks for all the podcasts the strength guide for runners Uh, the power to vote on future episodes, uh, webinars that we're going to be holding, all of my documentaries, and much, much more. So check out all the details, patron.lisatamati.com, and thanks very much for joining us. So, okay, let's dive into some of the weeds there. Um, of of you know the, like the visualization one that was that was gold um, you know I, I I would I would just just to give examples because I was trying to you know take this into my life and see well how, how can I use it um, when I was doing ultra marathons and I would get to a point where you know just can't you know like you've got this big massive battle going on in your head of like yeah. I, I just want to quit I want to quit I want to quit and it gets louder and louder and harder and harder um, I'm, I'm 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 stuffed I'm exhausted on the other side you've got this what I call the lion who's telling you you can and you, you've got this and keep going um, I would make sort of visualizations in beforehand and during the event as if someone's life depended on it would you quit you know, and oh, this is good. 
So yeah. good. You know, it's funny. It's so funny you say that because I actually, uh, many times when people tell me, you know, that they can't do something, I can't get up in the morning. I, I'm not a morning person, right? I asked, my, I asked them, I said, you know, what, what if your life depended on it? What if your kid's life depended on it, right? <laughs> what if, what, or let's, let's, let's tone it down. Let's say you had a meeting with your favorite celebrity, okay? At 7 a.m. sharp, uh, Oprah Winfrey or Michael Jordan. I don't know, somebody super famous you've always wanted to meet said, I will have breakfast with you, but it will only be at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. Are you going to wake up? Of course you're going to wake up. You're totally <laughs> capable of doing it. <laughs> so, you know, and, and this is, again, one of these self-limiting beliefs that people, many people carry around with them, which really limits what they are are, 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 are um, able to do. It's interesting that you kind of made that same scenario in your head of like, you know, what if my life depended on this or someone else's life? Someone else's. Like, could I do it? Yeah. And that's something um, uh, my listeners know my story with my mom. I brought my mum back from a massive aneurysm, so major brain damage where at the age of 74, where the doctors were saying she would never ever do anything again and I was just like I'm not listening to anybody who tells me I can't I'm going to find people who tell me I can and to mm. tell me the next step or one step in the process and I will only listen to those and I'll focus on those and I just don't ever believe in limiting my beliefs because in the medical world what I see happening and it's is a, is a bugbear of mine um, you know we're so busy covering our asses and also not giving false hope that we take away all hope. And mm. the doctor would say to you, look, there's no hope. She's got massive brain damage in our case. You know, put her in an institution. She's never going to do anything. Um, mm. It took me, you know, two and a half years to get her back to full health. I was sitting with her having a coffee yesterday, actually, and the doctor who had written her off in the hospital happened to see her just walking around on her own outside, you know, going to get a coffee and coming back to the thing. And she was just like, oh, my God, uh, your mother's doing amazingly well. And I wow. inside I was going, yeah, no thanks to you. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, wow. where she was told, she told me, um, this is a year into her rehabilitation, um, your mother is below the level of a worse dementia patient and she would, you know, there's no reason for us to have her in, in the program. She's, she's too thick, basically. Wow. And my mother is sitting next to me. At that point, she'd already been a year in rehabilitation. My mum was starting to come back. She was starting to think and she was doing some things. She was so intimidated by the system and the people in that system doing these tests on her and so on that they didn't even realise she could speak. Um, and she, I turned around to my mum and I said, how does that make you feel, mum? And she said, uh, I was feeling really empowered until I heard that. Now I'm very depressed mm. because mm. I'm, you know, I feel really disempowered. And, and I went, yeah, thanks. And we don't need your system anymore. See you later. I'll go, we'll go and do it ourselves. And we did. And I wrote a book about it. Um, so I'm very big on not putting these limitations. And, you know, that's just one example of, of, of many, but, um, limitations on ourselves but we but you've just pointed out to me in this 20 minutes we've been talking already already I've got some preconceived ideas of limitations that I didn't even uh, think I had you know because I'm a very much I can do things you know mm -hmm. and, and and definitely a head through the wall person but um <laughs> which can yeah. you know <laughs> maybe too much thought. adrenaline I don't right. know <laughs> exactly. no, I, I love so much of what you're saying I mean one of my life mantras is consistency over intensity and I think you know th th that's how we that's how we change we we underestimate oh, what we can do in cold. a year uh, so we overestimate sorry what we can do in a year we underestimate what we can do in five I think with Bill Gates said yes, something yes. okay paraphrasing yeah. here, mm -hmm. but it's so true. Like just consistent action, consistent forward momentum. It took you two years or, or longer with, yeah. you, with your mother. 
you know, the healthcare industry is all about intensity. Here's a pill. Now you're fixed. Yes. Right? And then when that doesn't work, they quit. Thank you. Whereas <laughs> consistency over or the person who comes to the gym and says, oh, my New Year's resolution, I'm finally going to get into shape. And you see them for, you know, two weeks before they quit. Yeah. But they're sweating out for two weeks. And of course, that accomplishes nothing. It's about <laughs> consistent action. So, you know, when people ask me, how did Love you write it. two bestsellers? I didn't sit down and said, oh, I'm going to write a book right now. No, I sat down and committed the time, you know, just two hours a day of writing. That's all it takes. If you sit down for two hours a day of writing or even less in the course of a year, you have a book. You know how this works, yeah. right? But yeah. you have to do it consistently a yep. little bit every day. And so that's why learning to manage distraction is so important because many people, you know, they run their life on to-do lists and they have all these life goals they want to check off. And if those goals aren't checked off and they think they're failures, that's not how we should measure ourselves. Yes. We should measure ourselves not by what we finish because we don't always control how long these things take, right? You didn't know how long it would take for your mother to recover or how long it would take you to write a book. What you can control, what you do know is how much time you will put forth towards that effort. And so wow. that's why it's so important to just measure ourselves by the input, not the output, but the input of our, the two things we can control always, which is our time and our attention. Wow, that just just blows my mind because I think the biggest thing to take away from that mum's story, and sorry to harp on about that, but it, I, I work with a lot of people who are coming back from you know um, these sorts of journeys, strokes and brain damage, concussions and dementia and God knows what. Um, and the biggest the, the the factor that decides that person's success mostly, and I can tell pretty much at the beginning if I'm going to have success with that person is are they willing to put the hard yards in day in, day out when they see no, they see nothing for it? Um, so true. Yeah, like right behind me is the hyperbaric chamber, which was a, a core piece of mum's rehabilitation. Um, but I took, you know, she's had hundreds of sessions in there. And people come and they want to use the hyperbaric chamber and they expect that within three sessions they are going to be fixed. And it's like that does not work. It doesn't work like that. And as an athlete, you know that that doesn't work. Biology does not work like that. And there is no magic pill for the cancer you've got or the whatever. It's not a one thing. It's very much a multi-pronged approach and it's a very much every day. Like I, I often get, you know, insulted or told off by people for being so relentless, which is the mm. title of my book on mm. with my mum, you know, she has to train every single day, birthdays, Christmas, doesn't matter what it is. I don't care. She's training every single day unless she's sick. Um, and, and the reason for that is if she doesn't, if I let up a little bit, we will slide backwards <clears throat> and I don't want to you know, let that happen. And I know that as an athlete, you have to keep this continuing. If I want to get to a hundred and be able to do the splits, we'll do some yoga or stand on my head, <clears throat> which I think is absolutely doable. Mm -hmm. I have to do those things every day to get there or pretty much yeah. every day, you know, isn't it amazing though, how we, we hate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. Like, we don't want that. Want, and this is where you get all these charlatans selling, you know, special juices or yeah. pills or magic potions or crystals or whatever, you know, this, this stuff that it always, you can always tell something that you should be skeptical about in terms of how quickly it will work. Yes. Right. Yeah. If, 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 if you, if somebody wants to sell you something that's going to get you quick results, Watch out. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty rare, you know, exactly. we, we want that instant relief. We want that instant solution. And look for the, the things that are worth having in life. They take time. You want yeah. great relationships with the people you love in your life. 
you have to invest consistent action. You have to be fully present with them. You want to excel at your job? You have to show up and do the hard work that other people don't want to do. Uh, you, you want to be an incredible athlete? You got to put in the reps, right? You have to do the work and it yeah. takes years. I've been working on, you know, you mentioned yeah. standing on your head. I've been working on handstands now yeah. for too. two years. <laughs> I'm still not there either. <laughs> no, it's really, it takes a long time. Uh, but it's, you know, I wish it was as simple as just getting a pill. Yeah. Um, but there is, there is something to be said about knowing what to do. Uh, I think that's, you know, the, the, but the good news is that for, you know, maybe in past generations, maybe our grandparents could say, well, I, I don't know what to do, right? Like I didn't have access to a book to tell me yeah. what to do today. What's our no excuse all out there on the internet, right? Just Google it and it'll tell you how to do what you're. We are so blessed. Like, honestly, yeah. if, you know, with my mum's situation, I wouldn't have been able to heal it because I wouldn't mm. have had access to the greatest minds on the planet. And I do now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, doctors Amazing. haven't really worked that one out that we have that access. They they tend to like, oh, Dr. Google. On that internet are the best professors, the best clinical studies, the best everything is available to us now. And we're so lucky that we have like access to people like you through this podcast. I mean, what are the chances of me being able to talk to a Stanford, you know, uh, t- teacher at Stanford and a best-selling author? What are the chances when I'm sitting little in New Plymouth in New Zealand? <laughs> Which, you know? I mean, it's a, it's really a mirror. And here we are talking each, with each other over these video phones that <laughs> if you had told me we could do when we were children, right? I would have said impossible, right? Yeah. That's like science fiction. And here it is. Of course, the, the downside is that sometimes when we live in a world with so many great things, with so many uh, ways to spend our time, it this can lead to distraction, which is why if you are looking for distraction, distraction you will find, right? Yes. And I think this is why the world is bifurcating into people who say, you know, who, who allow themselves to be distracted, who allow their time and attention to be controlled by others. Because look, if you don't plan your time, somebody's going to plan it for you. There are plenty of people out there with a vested interest to capture your time and attention. That's yep. how they make money, right? The, that's how the newspapers and the cable TV networks and of course, social media all make money the same way. They turn yeah. your attention into revenue. They, yep. they monetize your eyeballs. And, and there's nothing wrong with that business model. We just have to be very aware that that's what's going on and make sure that we use these products as opposed to them using They're us. Using us and, and to yeah, understand that our attention is the money that, you know, where we're putting our eyes is exactly what where the money is going in every aspect and that the world is changing so rapidly. What do you see as like we 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 have an ancient DNA. We, we're, we're basically still cave men and women mm-hmm. <laughs> from our DNA perspective and we've been thrust and we're being thrust into even, you know, the converging technologies, the, the, the AI, the VR, the, all the robotics, the, the stuff that's coming in the next five years is astronomical and it, 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 how is our ancient DNA going to cope with this, you know, like this change, this rapid change that we have to be so flexible? How do you see it? I mean, it's it, and, and, and it's very easy because you're an extremely intelligent man. You're going to be able to adapt. <laughs> how is it for the uh, ones who aren't You should so talk to educated? my wife about that extremely intelligent <laughs> part. She might have a different opinion on that one. But I, I, I'm pretty optimistic. I'm pretty optimistic. And, and let me tell you why. That, you know, we one of the things that makes us such an amazing species is that we are uh, infinitely adaptable. That this is why the human race is the only species on Earth that can live in any climate. We can even li- you know sustain ourselves in outer space yeah. <laughs> right? because yeah. we adapt. Now, does that mean that there aren't going to be 
uh, unfortunate consequences? Of course. You know, Paul Virilio said, when you invent the ship, you invent the shipwreck. So, of course, there will be uh, shipwrecks along the way, so to speak, right? There will be uh, unforeseen negative uh, consequences to every type of technology. But by and large, I am very optimistic that just because something is new or, you know, let's say unnatural, doesn't mean we don't adapt. Humans are very, very adaptable. Uh, there's lots of things that we do that are unnatural. Look, we we toilet train. <laughs> That's not natural, right? Our ancestors a few thousand years ago went wherever they wanted to, right? And we learned over time that, you know, That's hey, good idea. indoor plumbing, we hold it. <laughs> and if we can do that with our bodily functions, I think we can get control over Facebook too. I'm pretty sure we can do it. Uh, you know, so again, back to back to if we try. If it's so much easier to say, okay, just give me the instant solution, right? That uh, just just tell me that Facebook is controlling my brain, therefore I have no personal responsibility and agency, therefore I don't have to do anything. That's the quick fix. Yeah. As opposed to saying, look, guess what? The price of progress, the price of living in an age where you have so many amazing things. I mean, the world, as, as, as much as the media tells us that the world is a terrible place, right? You always hear the media, that's their business model, right? They don't, yeah. they don't tell you about uh, all the good things that happen every day. I they tell it. you about all the terrible things. Why? Because they know that's what will get people get watching. But if you look at every metric that you could possibly track, the world is getting better. Right? If you don't believe me, there's a wonderful book called Factfulness by Hans Ronsling, uh, which I recommend everybody reads. It's a required reading about yeah. all these very various metrics about how we're getting better and better. Yeah. Uh, and of course, it doesn't mean there's not problems. Of course, there are problems. But we have to be realistic about the scale of these problems and optimistic that we can fix these because when we become pessimistic, when we believe uh, then we are going to hell in a handbasket, we don't do anything about it. What's going to lead us out of our problems is, is not running away from these problems, not throwing up our hands and giving up, but rather engaging with these problems, right? Doing something about it, just like you did with your mother, not believing the, the people who say nothing can be done, but rather taking things into our own hands and doing everything we possibly can. Yeah. And then, you know, like on that, the, the facts that are that are, we are improving, like, you know, coal mines are going to be thing past very soon. Our battery technology and our solar is going to be like, we, we're going to have so much power that we're going to be able to, to deal with a lot of the major issues that we've got happening. Then we're going to, you know, like <laughs> the, the, the technology is just mind-blowing. It, it blows my mind every day what's coming and how we can actually heal the planet I mean, there's things like um, getting off topic, but these drones that are going around now and firing seedlings into the ground, like mm. hundreds of thousands per day and reforesting places that have been deforested, you know, like we've coming up yeah. with some pretty cool solutions. I mean, bugs that eat plastic and, you know, yeah. goodness yeah. knows. And those stories don't get anywhere as no, they nearly don't. as much coverage, right? You know, no. you, you only hear about the bad stuff, but there are actually, there's there's some amazing developments in, 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 in uh, the the areas that we think are most problematic, you'd be surprised how things are in, in many ways going in the right direction. And, and I agree with you totally that if we focus on the negative, then we're going to get the negative and we're not going to change our own behavior because you're like, you feel powerless. You know, that's why I do not watch the news. It's forbidden in my house <laughs> because I don't want, if it's, if it's a big enough story then someone will tell me about it if I need to know, to. Yeah. but I want to fill my brain with the positive, the exciting, the, the, the new, the, that sort of right. thing, you know, and, and I, you know, think man, I think important. it's important. 
to, to focus your attention on what, what you are able to do something about. So let's say, you know, if the yes. environment is something you care passionately about, if public health is something you care passionately about, if education is, is something you care passionately about. The problem is we spread ourselves so thin, right? Yeah. We spread ourselves so thin, caring about everybody else's problems and all the things that are going wrong in the world that we don't do anything about the one thing we can do something about. Oh. So go deep on a topic, right? Don't spend your time worrying about people's problems thousands of miles away. What can you do in your local community to improve the world? Don't complain and moan about all the things that are happening thousands of miles away, because what's probably happening in is you are escaping those internal triggers, right? Yes. You're using yeah, yeah, the news, yeah. you're using to your complaint you. to escape having to do the things that you actually have agency over. Right? Oh, you're so, speaking so to my soul, man. That's just, and yeah. <laughs> I think there was a really good message for me personally because I'm like, try, uh, you know, uh, um, changing my mission in life a little bit mm. at the moment and and going into the, you know, more into public health and to changing things in the, in the medical world for obvious reasons. Um, mm. And it is about, but what do I focus on first? And mm. that's a question that I need to spend time on pondering on. And this is what we all need to be doing. It's not, it's not about me, but it's about um, diving deep into the one area that really interests you and that you think you can make a difference in in this world. And then, you know, I think all of us or most of us who are responsible citizens <laughs> want to get to the end of our lives and think, I did something positive in this world. I left this world a better place because I existed you know, right, and having right. a positive impact. And it doesn't, you know, we, we're not all going to be Elon Musk and God knows whatever, you know, but we can still have a massive impact in our in our little community, uh, yeah. in our bigger community, in our, in our country yeah. and, and internationally. And you know what? It's exciting me at the moment is, you know, thinking big and learning from people like uh, Peter Diamandi, so I don't know if you know him, but yeah. um, thinking that maybe, you know, because I'm, again, limiting beliefs. I live in New Zealand. I can't therefore do this. I'm, you know, who am I? I got no resources to, do, you know, I can't affect the big things. And then you read, start reading about some of the stories and his books and his works, and you start thinking, well, maybe I can. If some yeah. guy in Africa who didn't even have two cents to rub together can do something, maybe I can. What the hell am I moaning about? Absolutely. You know? Maybe where I can give my two cents for, uh, for for how to think through this, and I think this might, you know, this has helped me in my life as well when I think about, okay, where is my human capital best allocated? There's a, a framework that we use um, along two axes. So one is to ask yourself, where can I have the biggest impact? Okay, so put that on the X axis. Where can I have the biggest impact? And then the Y axis is ease. Where can it, Where is it easiest to oh. make an impact? Okay. So what you're going to do is then take a bunch of different ideas. Okay. I can go uh, spend my time working on environmental issues or education issues or public health or whatever the case might be. Put those things on that chart, right? See, put little dots for each of those ideas. How much of an impact could I have and how easy would it be for me to do something about it? Right. So even if we say, oh my goodness, it's so terrible what's happening with the Syrian refugees. How much, how easy is yeah. it to actually have an impact? I, no, I can't yeah. do very much, right? I, I, it's very. I don't know how to help those people right now. So that's going to be very low on the ease scale. But could I make a big difference in my local community? Could I uh, spend my time helping my family members? You know, that would be an easy thing that I could do that could have an impact. And then, of course, do the things that are in that upper right hand quadrant. Wow, and in finding what your passion and your curiosity is for, and, and marrying these two together. 
where your expertise is. So, yeah. Because that's where you'll be able to sustain the effort. Again, back to this mantra that I have of consistency over intensity. If you're super passionate about something, oh my gosh, we need to do something about it, but you only do it once. Yeah. Right. That's that doesn't move the ball forward. That doesn't actually help help the world very much. If you just, you know, get super passionate about it and quit, you want to do something that you can chip away at a little bit, a little bit, a little bit every day to make that situation better. That's where we find, you know, the the, the Peter Diamandis crowd of people who actually make huge impact is they work on it a little bit consistently over a long period of time. Consistency over intensity is my new mantra. <laughs> I love that. Um, now let's pivot a little bit, if I may, and and, and talk about um, the uh, your, your first book, Hooked. Um, we were looking at psychology because a lot of the people that listen to this are entrepreneurs like me. They're trying to understand how to best serve their communities and how to create engagement in their communities, um, whether they're online or offline communities. What are some of the the, the, the tools that we can grab from that book and um, maybe apply in our, in our lives so that we create you know, and it's something we, we struggle with constantly is, is how do you, when you're, when you don't have a huge resource, you don't have thousands of people working for you and you can make anything happen. Um, how do you actually get people really engaged in, in, in the workforce sense and in the entrepreneurial sense? Yeah. So to build a habit forming product, uh, there's a few preconditions. One is that the behavior has to occur with sufficient frequency. So only products that are used within a week's time or less have an opportunity to even form a habit. It's very, very difficult. There are some exceptions, but it's very difficult to form a consumer habit uh, unless that behavior occurs within a week's time or less. So that's that's one precondition. And then what we want to do is to make sure we have what's called the hooked model. The hooked model is kind of the basis of my first book, where we have these four steps. I'm, I'm partial to four-step models, as you can tell. Uh, and in this, in this four-step model, the first step here, again, starts with these internal triggers by understanding what is the, the uncomfortable emotional state that my product will attach too. So if we're trying to build a healthy habit, let's say it's fitness or education or uh, saving, you know, saving money, whatever the case might be, what's that internal trigger, that emotional itch that every time the user feels that itch, they utilize our product or service. Mm-hmm. So thinking to yourself, what's that uncomfortable uh, emotion that whenever they feel my product is the solution to that discomfort. That's a very, very important first step. Mm-hmm. The next step is to make the action as easy as possible to do. We know that the easier something is to do, the more likely people are to do it. So we think about what, you know, all the, the points of friction, as we call them, that would prevent somebody from doing something. Is it time, money, physical effort, uh, cognitive cycles? So the, the more thinking someone has to do about a behavior, the harder it is to understand, the less likely they are to do a behavior. So we think about all the ways we can reduce the friction. The next step, the third step is called the variable reward phase. And this is where we find that, that habit-forming products are always have some element of mystery, some bit of uncertainty, some kind of variability. So when you think about, you know, what makes it fun to watch spectator sports? Why do we all become obsessed with, you know, some ball bouncing around a court or a pitch? It's variability. It's uncertainty. Why why do people like watching movies or reading books? It's about, you know, getting to the end. It's about what's going to happen. How are things going to resolve themselves? Uh, Slot machines, right? Why why do people enjoy gambling? It's because there's uncertainty, there's variability, scrolling social media. It's all about variability rewards. Mm. And so habit forming products always have to utilize one of three types of variable rewards. We call these rewards of the tribe hunt and self. Uh, and, and so there has to be at least one of those three, three types of variable rewards. And then finally, and perhaps most importantly, is that a habit forming product gets users to invest 
in that experience. So unlike things that are made of, of, of uh, atoms as opposed to made out of bits, when you think about your car, your furniture, your clothing, all these things lose value with wear and tear. They yep. depreciate. Mm-hmm. Habit-forming products do the opposite. And this is really what makes them so mm-hmm. revolutionary. They appreciate in value, meaning they get better and better the more we interact with them because of what I call stored value. So the more you interact with Pinterest or Facebook or Twitter or YouTube, their algorithms are learning about your preferences and making the product better for you, more engaging for you the next time around. So you can do this with your business as well. It doesn't have to be a super technological algorithm. You know, it's something as simple as when I go get my hair cut, my barber remembers my name. And my daughter's name and what I do for a living. And every time I see them, they remember how I like my haircut. They have invested in, sorry, I have invested in that relationship by divulging some of my personal data, right? My information about myself that builds that loyalty with that that business, right? With that barber. And let me tell you, I used to have a different barber who didn't remember a thing about me. I stopped going to them. Wow. <laughs> right? So because it's not it just in the online world. No, no, it can be in any business. And so many businesses, you know, we think, oh, here's here's the product, take it, goodbye. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I think, it, yeah, can I just ask you there? Because yes, how yes. do you do this from a business perspective? It's, it's a, a bit of a conundrum when you don't have the manpower. So, like, I'll take, I'll take for example, running coaching, which we, you know, train hundreds of athletes and one of the problems is we have is the accountability factor and the um, the community engagement factor. Because we, we're only a small team, how, we can't check in every day with our athletes right. personally, right. you know, and everybody wants to work with me, which is also a bottleneck. Mm. Um, how do we how do we get around that with technology? I mean, that's a freaking big question. If you answer yeah, that, you yeah. solve my problems. But um, <laughs> what are some of the things I could be thinking about in that direction so that we you create a, a better platform for people and a more accountability without having a huge team to be on the phones and, you know, yeah. actually engaging one-on-one? Well, I'll, I'll give you a few ideas. I call these the three C's. The three C's are content, community, and conversation. So content is, you know, when we, we find that you can add this variable reward of finding interesting content. So for example, if you, and these, I'm just tossing out, I'm brainstorming here with you. I don't Absolutely, know what's going yeah. but just some ideas. Wow. If you curated interesting articles, for example, right, that's very scalable. You could say, hey, here are Lisa's, you know, top articles for the week you know, you must read. And so you can put that out on a platform, you know, maybe it's an app you build or a website or even a, mm. an email newsletter. You don't need any technical skill to do that. It's, you know, it's very, very yep. easy. That would be a way to build engagement through content. And of course it's variable, right? There's that variable reward of well, what's in the content. What did Lisa recommend this week? What do these articles say? What am I missing if I don't check out these articles? <laughs> exactly. The podcast, exactly. That's a content. That's number one. See, the, the first C is content creation. Very, very scalable. Another way is community. So empowering people to communicate with each other, right? Yes. So where you have, that's, that becomes very scalable when you have a community of like-minded people where this is what we call the each one teach one model. So if you can have people who learn from you, right? They learn from Lisa and then they can help other people uh, uh, utilize your practices. Now you're scaling what you know by empowering others to teach others. And we know this actually has a very profound impact. If you look mm-hmm. at religion, you know, every religion, Every major religion has this aspect of proselytizing, right? Why do they do that? Why does every religion have that? It's not just about growing the flock. It's also about reinforcing 
the believer's identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when I teach someone else how to do something, I am teaching myself. I'm reinforcing yes. my own beliefs and my own self-image as, as someone who uses this practice. So that would be community. And then the, the third one is conversation. So this is where you engage people one-on-one -on -one, as opposed to a community of you know uh, many-to-many. This is where it's either one-to-many or one-to-one. -one. So if you can empower some way of, of using technology to disseminate your wisdom in some way or, um, uh, or you know, that's not, it, sometimes it's not as scalable if you're having these one-to-one -one conversations with mm, folks. That's the problem. But those, those are the three mm. potential ways to do it. Con wow. Content, community, and conversation. Okay, that's some gold for me to go to dig around and <laughs> think about. Because, yeah, it is. And, and, you know, when you aren't um, a super technical, and we use a whole lot of platforms and apps and oh, God knows what, but it's still creating that real <clears throat> hookedness, <laughs> to use the title of your book, that eludes us. <clears throat> and that's um, something that we need to keep working on. And I think a lot of businesses that are, are struggling with that because it's that's a little bit of a new way of thinking. It's not a, oh, I'm buying a loaf of bread and thanks, here's your money, see you later right. and gone, you know, which used to be the sort of the old model of doing things. And now in this information technology world, um, it's keeping people coming back and you have to keep. And it's, you know, as an entrepreneur who's wearing 100 hats because you don't have a massive team behind you, uh, you've only got a few people you run out of resources pretty quickly to actually yeah, the, engage, you know. The good news is that it's getting easier and easier, right? It's getting easier. There are all kinds of no-code solutions these days where anybody who's even non-technical can utilize. Uh, there's yeah. all kinds of platforms that you can just plug in and start utilizing. So they're, 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 it's definitely getting a lot easier than it used to be uh, to, to be a creator in this space. Yeah, that's fantastic. Nia, I want to be respectful of your time. Thank you so much for um, coming on the show, for sharing your incredible wisdom with us. I've got lots to think about. I'm going to listen to this three or four times <laughs> and read your books. So where can they find you and your books and all the work that you do? Sure. Thank you so much. So my website is nearandfar.com, but near is spelled like my first name. So that's N-I-R and far.com near and far.com and uh my books are and the first book is called hooked how to build habit forming products and the second book is called indistractable how to control your attention and choose your life wonderful and do you have a newsletter um list that people can also get on yep yeah so, absolutely i have a weekly uh newsletter where i curate uh, articles that i like kind of like we were talking about earlier oh, there you go. and uh and then i publish an article every week as well Oh, wow. So actually directly from you. That's wonderful and super um, excited. We'll put all those links um, down in the show notes for people, nearandfar.com. Go and check it out. Thanks very much, Nia, for your time today. It's been awesome. Oh, my pleasure, Lisa. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends and head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com. 